This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll Over a hundred years ago, in the town of Lubavitch in Russia, a religious woman showed up looking for the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who at the time was Rabbi Shalom Dovber, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, also known as the Rebbe Rashab. It wasn't usual for a religious woman to be walking around by herself in those days, but this poor woman made the one-week journey all the way to Lubavitch because she knew only the Rebbe could help her. And when she got there, she went to one of the Rebbe's secretaries and said, Please, it's urgent. I have to see the Rebbe. And they said, I'm sorry, you'll have to write a letter, because the Rebbe is currently not seeing anyone. She said, You know, I came from so far away, and it's really important. I left my children at home. I need to speak with the Rebbe. But the Rebbe wasn't taking anyone at the time. And so the secretary said, Listen, write what you need on a piece of paper, and I promise I will personally give it to the Rebbe myself, and he will answer you. But anything more than that, I can't promise you. So having no choice, the woman found a quiet place to sit and wrote her problem on a piece of paper to be given to the Rebbe. And she said that she was an Aguna, a woman whose husband had disappeared and she had no idea where he was, whether he was even alive. And as a result, she couldn't get remarried and continue with her life. She did ask around and nobody had a clue where her husband had disappeared to. There were rumors that he was no longer religious, but she didn't know what to do. And with three hungry children at home, she was desperate to get married again and start her life all over. But she was chained to this man who had simply disappeared, with no get, no bill of divorce, and no proof that he had died. She didn't know what to do. She had no money, no husband, no connections. And now her last hope was the Lubavitcher Rebbe. But after spending her last penny to come to Lubavitch, and being told that the Rebbe can't see her, she wrote the letter thinking, ah, he probably won't even look at it. But to her shock and surprise, within less than an hour, the Rebbe's secretary was standing in front of her with an answer from the Rebbe. And she looks at it, and the Rebbe had written on the side of her note, and it says, you should travel to Warsaw. So at first, she was very happy because she got an answer from the Rebbe. But then she said, wait a minute, what am I supposed to do in Warsaw? Where in Warsaw? And she asked the secretary, and the secretary said, that's all the Rebbe said. Whatever is written here, that's what the Rebbe had to say. So she said, no problem, going to write another letter. She writes another letter. She tells the secretary, give this to the Rebbe. I need to know what to do in Warsaw. Where to go in Warsaw? But when the secretary went to the Rebbe, the Rebbe simply shook his head. And the secretary came back and said, that's it. The Rebbe has nothing more to say. The Hasidim were listening, and they gathered enough money for her to travel round trip to Warsaw. They also gathered money for her to stay in a little hotel and have food for an entire month. And so the next morning, she was on the train on another long trip, this time to Warsaw. She arrived in Warsaw and had no idea what she was supposed to do. She stood there at the train station, people rushing by, people almost knocking her over. But she just stood there, clueless. It's true that she had money for a hotel and somebody had told her where to stay kosher hotel in Warsaw, and she looked at the address, but she was just tired. She didn't want to even try anymore. 
Then she thought to herself, well, you know, I don't have to worry about the kids. At least they're taken care of. And then she's standing there and she wanted to cry. And just then, somebody bumped into her. And she said, okay, that's it. I'm getting on the next train and going back. This is stupid. I'm wasting my time here. And she turned around to go get her return ticket. And then somebody said, excuse me. And she turned around. And it was an elegantly dressed Jew with a reddish beard. And he spoke with her in Yiddish. And he said, excuse me, are you okay? Is there something I can help you with? Are you waiting for somebody? You look confused. The woman said, I'm here because Lubavitcher Rebbe sent me here. And she told him the whole story. And the man with the reddish beard, he said, tell me, what's your husband's name? What did he look like? He said, well, his name was Fival, but it could be that he's changed his name. And he used to be quite a heavy man, but maybe he lost some weight. He had a limp. He had a big, thick beard, but maybe he shaved it off. And he has a little mark in his forehead, but it's been two years now. And I have no idea what he looks like anymore. Maybe he's not even alive. And the Jew says to her, you know what? I think I know where he is. Come, follow me, it's not too far from here. And so he walks with the woman outside of the station, and he points to a large, busy intersection. And tells her how to go to a certain tavern. He says, I'm sure that your husband's there. Go to the back of the tavern, and you'll see he's playing cards and gambling. And after everything she'd been through, she was so exhausted she didn't even ask any questions. She just nodded her head and said thank you, and then started walking in the direction that he had told her. Half an hour later, she finds the tavern. She took a deep breath, walked in. She heard all the noise and smoke. She's dragging her suitcase with her. She feels like maybe this was a mistake. What is she doing here? But she figured she made it this far. She might as well go all the way. She walks to the back room, just like the man had told her. And there were some men sitting there smoking, drinking, and playing cards. Now it was very dark, and she was trying to make out if any of these were her husband, until one of the guys that was gambling turns around, and he says, What? Sarah! What are you doing here? How did you get here? And now she knew that the person that she was speaking with, that was her husband. He didn't have a beard, or a keeper, and he had lost a lot of weight. But that was him, no question about it. So she said, The Lubavitcher Rebbe, he told me to come here. And I met a religious Jew at the train station, and he told me how to get here. And the husband, he's pulling on his hair, swinging back and forth, and he said, It can't be. It can't be. I don't even know any Jews. I don't know any Rebbe. How could anyone find me here? How? It's impossible. Then he started crying. <laughs> and he fell to his knees. And he said to her, Please, Sarah, Oi, what I've done to you and the children... Oh my God, I can't believe what I've done. He said, please, take me back. I don't know what brought me here, and I don't know what I did, and I'm so sorry. And Sarah decided to give her husband the benefit of the doubt, and she brought him back in. He came home, he grew his beard, he entered the religious community again, and they continued their life as it was before. A year later, she traveled again to Lubavitch, but this time she didn't need any help. This time she just wanted to thank the Rebbe. And the Rebbe's secretary, understanding what was going on, he arranged that she would stand outside the Rebbe's door, and when the Rebbe came out, she could give him her letter, and maybe be able to thank him personally. And so she stood there, waiting for the Rebbe to come out, holding the letter, very nervous. This is the first time that she'd actually see the Rebbe. And then the door opens. 
And the Rebbe comes out, and she takes one look at him, and she gets dizzy and faints on the spot. When she woke up, there was a doctor kneeling next to her. And he said to her, you must have been so excited when you saw the Rebbe that you passed out. But she sat up and she said, wait a minute, was that the Rebbe? Was that him? And the doctor said, yeah, that was the Rebbe. Why? You don't know what the Rebbe looks like? She said, no. The last time I was here, the Rebbe wasn't taking anyone and I sent him a letter, but I never saw the Rebbe. The doctor said, so I don't understand why did you faint? She said, because that man, that was the man who met me in Warsaw at the train station and told me where to find my husband who had been missing for two years. The man who had helped me was the Rebbe himself. So the Rebbe's secretary heard about this, and he thought, how could it be? The Rebbe hasn't traveled anywhere, not in many years. And for sure, when this woman had gone to Warsaw, the Rebbe was not in Warsaw. So he did some calculations and looked in his journal. And in his journal, he had a note that on that day that the woman claimed to have met the Rebbe in Warsaw, the Rebbe was sitting in his room, motionless, his eyes open, staring into a sefer as if he was someplace else. And it turns out that somehow he actually was. And this isn't the only time that there have been stories like this. There's a story of Rebbe Shmuel as well, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tov, the Gmagi de Mezrich, and even the last Lubavitcher Rebbe being in two places at once. And even sometimes when Sadikim were able to come back and appear in this world, even when they were in the world to come. So you never know, my sweetest friends. Have the deepest simuna in Hashem, that whenever you really need help, Hashem will send Eliyahu Navi or a Rebbe, or a friend, to help you get to where you need to go. <laughs>